Welcome into a News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, Jaguars yeah. been busy. It's been, a, it's been an <laughs> eventful offseason yeah. for, uh, for the Jaguars. And I know we've talked about this before on News for Jags. You know, we're talking about the number one overall pick the last couple of years. Yeah, now we're talking year. about the number 24 overall pick. And we're not talking about who are they taking at number one, who's the quarterback, who's the prospect they're getting. Now we're talking about kind of lower down in that draft order. So it's a different kind of vibe, different kind of offseason for the Jaguars after that unexpected playoff run. Yeah, you know, hey, you get in the playoffs, you're not trying to reinvent mm-hmm. the wheel now. They pick 24th, but the, the kind of really different feel this year is in years past, you kind of had those spending sprees in free agency. This year, Jaguars didn't exactly come into the offseason with much money. Actually, right. they were over the salary cap, so now Trent Baalke having to do a lot of work to get them under, and then even mm-hmm. today, a move that kind of gets them back closer to that line than they were before. So uh, a lot of moving pieces as they try and find a way to kind of improve the roster. Yeah, and you know, Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson spoke this week about the NFL Combine, about what this roster is, is going to do. And Trent, you know, just like he said in the offseason, his last meeting before the offseason was draft and develop. Draft and develop, we want to keep the guys on those first contracts. And when you start getting good and getting those guys paying second contracts, you're not going to be able to afford them all. And we're seeing that right now with Jawan Taylor. Yep. That playing out. Um, and last year kind of really went against how you build a good football team. And that's mm-hmm. spending to the cap last year and writing checks, unbelievable amount of checks to bring yep. in good guys like Evan Ingram, um, Christian Kirk. I mean, they, they emptied the wallet last year, and you're seeing a little bit of the residuals of that. Now mm-hmm. you're having to kind of clean that up uh, in the restructures and whatnot. Jacksonville is projected to be well over that salary cap heading into this uh, this new league year, which starts March 15th. Right. They've done extremely well in creating some cap room mm-hmm. really just in this last about 10-day period alone. Yeah, All right. let's start with the news of the day. Evan Ingram franchise tag by the team. Uh, Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor are like the two premier free agents right. for the Jaguars this offseason. I mean, Arden Key is a key and they have some other key free agents, but Evan Ingram and uh, Jawan Taylor are the two guys. Evan Ingram now franchise tag by the Jaguars. And I think if you've been listening to like us or other local media outlets, everybody's been saying, look, Evan Ingram's not leaving Jacksonville. Right. It was just never going to happen. It was either going to be an extension or it was going to be the franchise right. tag. As of right now, we see it's under the franchise tag, but like I kind of been reminding people, I'm like, just remember, Cam Robinson was franchise tag last year right. and then never actually played on the tag because they just used that to buy more time to work out an extension. So even though Evan Ingram is tagged right now on that one-year deal, that doesn't mean that he ends up actually playing on the tag. Right, and that's it really just buys the Jaguars some time. You know, March 15th, there are a couple of big dates that we're approaching. March 15th, start of the new league year, which means free agent deals can become official and uh, things of that nature as the new league year kicks off. 2023 right. starts on March 15th for the NFL. You negotiate before that with those free agents. Mm-hmm. Not going to be a lot of negotiations with the Jags this year. Like last year, it was an absolute avalanche of guys signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars early on in free agency. Not going to have that this year just for the free agency uh, pitfalls. Again, we saw that sp- uh, spinning free last year. We're not seeing it this year. And Trent no. Baalke has said as much. Not uh, So don't get used to that, Jaguars fans, as far as what we saw last year. The other side of that for the Evan Ingram argument, July 15th, 17th range is what we're looking at because those franchise and transition tag players have until July 15th, 16th, 17th to make that official if they're going to sign to a, a new agreement with their team. So for Evan Ingram, it's it's those two big dates. I think we, we I think Evan Ingram and the Jags will get a deal done. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. 
Yeah, although I'm a little hesitant on this because Evan Ingram's had one good season. It was a prove-it deal for him. Sure. I, I'd like to see a little bit more from Evan Ingram. So I don't I mean, I don't necessarily think franchise tag is a bad thing at all. It's, he still gets a raise. Obviously, he doesn't get that uh, longevity that mm -hmm. a lot of players want with those new deals. Franchise tag is just for one season, um, and it, it pays him the, the average of the top five highest in the league, and that's a little over $11 million. So that's a little bit of a bump for him. Well, you got to keep in mind, the Jaguars wanted to do a multi-year deal with him last offseason. Evan did not want the multi-year deal. So the Jaguars had confidence in Evan's ability mm -hmm. and how he would fit in in Jacksonville when they brought him in. They wanted to sign him to a multi-year deal. Evans and his agent said, no, we want the one-year prove-it deal. The Jaguars brought him in on the single-year contract, of course, and Evan came in and had the year right. that he expected. He bet on himself, and now it's worked out. Now, the franchise tag, would he play for the franchise tag? Probably. He probably would. But is that ideal for the Jaguars, a team that's tight on right. cap space right now? No. For them, it'd be better mm -hmm. if they could space out the cap hit a little bit and try and, and create more cap space to do other things because we're looking at the cap number now, and that still hasn't included Calvin Ridley, who we know right. is coming in at some point. So there's a, still a lot of moving pieces on this thing. Um, we knew Evan Ingram was going to stay in Jacksonville. It just it was just going to happen one way or another. I still think a multi-year deal gets done mm -hmm. um, just because the Jaguars have that incentive to create more cap space, find a way to to alleviate some of the cap room pressure that they have right now. And, and they don't want to let him leave. You also don't want to let Jawan Taylor leave. And we... I mean, we've talked at length about Jawan Taylor and not letting young players leave Jacksonville mm -hmm. before, but the hard thing is that we knew they were never going to franchise tag Jawan Taylor. Right. You just can't do it because it would be too much money. Right. I mean, for a right tackle, the franchise tag him extremely expensive. So it was just never going to happen. So it always made sense to, if the tag was used, it was going to go to Evan Ingram. And again, a smaller tag. And the benefit of the tag is a tight end is not that expensive. And yep. that's the good thing when you're talking about franchising a Cam Robinson or Jawan Taylor, that money gets up there. Tagging a tight end, that's yep. a little bit more affordable. So um, Evan Ingram, even though Trent Baalke said in his, his season-ending press conference, they did not want to use the franchise tag because a, you don't get any salary cap relief with that. You're, there's no way to amortize things or spread it out like you can, a signing bonus or prorate it mm -hmm. like the Jaguars would like to do. Um, that's a that's a full-on about $11.5 million stamp on that salary cap. Right. So there's no break. There's no massaging uh, the cap anyway with the franchise tag. So you didn't want to do that. But, again, it buys you that time between now and, and middle of July to get a longer-term deal done with Evan Ingram. But, again, if you're, you're Evan Ingram and the Jaguars, you've got to get something done in terms of that deal by that mid-July date because if you don't, you can't negotiate with them again until next year. So right. you're, you're really, you have a little bit of a, a buffer. You know, this is not a kind of a Lamar Jackson situation mm -hmm. in Baltimore. This is not that, that, uh, that dire when you're talking about a player of that eating up that much cap magnitude. You know, Lamar is going to eat up, you know, in the 35 to $40 million range in, in sure. a franchise tag. With Evan Ingram, you're talking about a, a little over $11 million. Again, for a Jaguars team that's pinched a little bit by the cap, that's not good news. You want to get that longer-term deal done, and you can defer some of those savings um, until later years. Um, but, again, to me, I wanted Juwan Taylor. To me, I, we did this right after the season. Who was mm -hmm. your mo most important guy that you got to have back? For me, it was Juwan Taylor. Um, for you, I know it was, was Evan Ingram. And right. I, Juwan was my 1A guy, and Evan was my 1B guy. 
I would like to see a little bit more from Evan Ingram. Can he do this two years in a row uh, with the Jaguars? Again, sure. Either, I, I don't think it would be bad to let him play on the franchise tag and then um, you know revisit that next year after he's had a uh, you know hopefully a better year. Yeah, and he could, and very well. I mean, overall, they want to find a way to keep the core of this offense together for multiple years. I mean, especially the pass catchers for the most part around Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Evan's just been such an important part from a leadership perspective, one of the hardest working guys in that team. Keeping him around was a must. Um, keeping him on the franchise tag, no, it's not the end of the world, but then you're back in, the, in square one right. a year from now. A guy who, who still is under 30, and if he does have another 1,000-yard season, does the price tag now yep. go up? You're That's right. the risk that you run. All right, if he comes close to 1,000 yards, he rewrites what he did just this past season in Jacksonville, and now all of a sudden his, his camp's like, he still ain't 30. And now you don't want franchising two years in a row because the ta- that number right. goes up. So now you have to get the deal done. So that's the kind of kind of double-edged sword of if you let yeah. him play on that tag and he goes in and has another good year, you're like, ooh, uh, now I guess I really got to pay this guy. Yeah, and if you tag him again, <laughs> there's penalties for that. If you right. Can't, you can't a 20% continue increase. to, to yeah. tag players. And, again, that goes up substantially. And the cap is going to only continue to go up. So um, I think it, it's if you're going to sign Evan to a long-term deal, you got to do it by mid-July. You've got to do it by right. mid-July. And if you're going to, you know, sit on the franchise tag and see how he plays in year two in this Doug Peterson offense, if he goes out and blows what he did away this year, yeah. um, and and sets his stage up for a massive pay increase next year, you know, I I, I don't think Jacksonville can go wrong. Um, Evan Ingram is coming back one way or another to Jacksonville. The only question is, is he coming back for a one-year deal or a multi-year deal? Yeah, that, that's the only question. And you know. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's good that he's going to be back one way or another. Right. Um, you you wanted to find a way to keep him. It did sound like the sides were gaining ground just a week or two ago. Like maybe there was a, something coming. I'm not sure what the roadblock happened that they just said, all right, you know what, we'll slap the tag on you and we'll figure it mm-hmm. out later. But clearly something must have come up, whatever it may be. Um, but I don't think the two sides are very far apart. Right. So Evan wants to be back. I'm yes. sure his agent wants him to be back. Jacksonville welcomes him back so it's probably just a matter of the the signing bonus or spreading things apart or whatever and probably guaranteed money is part of it for sure right um so so there's some moving pieces the the guy that's always been in more jeopardy is Jawan taylor because of the age and the position he plays and the jaguars cap situation there if he when he hits the free agent market which is now guaranteed unless they work out a long-term deal there are going to be teams that are ready to pay up yeah, for that guy course. for his and, services. And again, he's you mentioned he's a young player, he's hitting his second contract in yep. the league, and that's the that's the big thing right there. He peaked at the absolute best time in his career. You know, Jawan for the first three years of his career, eh, a little bit of you know a little bit of hit and miss with Jawan. There was always some some issues on pass protection, uh, holding penalties. I mean, there were some issues with Jawan early in his career, and you know, for to Jawan's credit, mm-hmm. he cleaned everything up. For yeah, the he year, did, and he had a. A exceptional career gear for uh, for him, and he's going to get paid. And very to me, very similar to Dewan Smoot. If we were talking about Dewan Smoot midseason, Jacksonville could not, you know, projecting out, they couldn't afford to bring Dewan Smoot back. Right. He's on the incline, young pass rusher, mm-hmm. you know, hitting that arc of his career, injury free, having a great season, and then he tears his Achilles. So Dewan Smoot was a guy to me that did not look like you're going to be able to afford to bring it back. Now you may be able to do that. But Juwan Taylor, on the other hand, finished the season strong, turned in a career year, injury-free. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. 
And I just don't think that Jacksonville is going to bring Jawan Taylor back. And the good thing it's about that tough. is, and you bring you brought this up last time, was the fact that you're you're drafting and you're looking ahead to with Walker Little. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, you mentioned this when we did our mock draft uh, a couple weeks ago. You're you're talking about maybe a Josh Allen replacement or somebody uh, in this draft at that position. You so to start you're looking, looking ahead down the line. You, you, and Walker Little is again a guy who was an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if you pick. Walker Little at right tackle, then a guard situation and this draft becomes a little bit uh, more imperative. Too. Right. Now you look at guard maybe later on in the draft or even in free agency, you look for a new swing tackle, right. that new backup. But those are things that you can replace. And you like to, the Jaguars are in a place that as long as they can retain a large number of their free agents that in this draft, we're going to be looking at, okay, well, what are their needs going to be next right. year? Who has an expiring contract? What veterans would it make sense to possibly part ways with after the season for salary cap reasons or play reasons? Uh, look for you're looking for free or for draft players at 24 guys that can contribute as a rookie, right. but in year two, that's when you're going to lean heavily on them. That's what good teams do. You don't necessarily have to say that rookie's going to come in day right. one and instantly have to be the starter. Maybe an injury makes them have to be a, a bigger contributor than they were. Like if you draft a nickel corner, that's great. That's your third corner right. ultimately. Play a big role, still a starter in my opinion in the NFL, but not your number one, not your number two, not the guy. Like you don't have to say, hey, 24, you're going to go guard the other right. team's number one receiver week in and week out. So mm -hmm. same thing like if you drafted a pass rusher, ultimately they're your third fiddle at pass rush. Is that basically a starter in the NFL? Yes, it is because they play a big role, but they're not your guy that you have to say is going to play down in and down out unless there's an injury. So you're looking ahead a little bit. It's projecting. And you know, the last time Jacksonville was in this situation was after their unexpected 2017 playoff run. They yeah. Again, later in the draft, you're looking at a, at a guy who's you know a supplemental piece, a guy who's going to come back in and you know draft wise and play a role. You didn't have to. You didn't play a role. And the last time they wanted again with the Taven Bryan was a developmental oh, guy gosh. who could kind of come in and and play a role here and there and develop. And again, you know, two three years down the line, he would become that guy who you could plug in and you know maybe put him in there as a, as a starting defensive tackle. Obviously, it did not work out that way. No, it didn't. And uh, yeah, Dave Caldwell, again, another colossal whiff on that um, draft position. But again, a guy, you know, I look at, at it back, another situation like a Ronaldo win for Jacksonville back in the day when they um, they picked Ronaldo win in the in the 20s. And he mm -hmm. was a serviceable defensive tackle for Jacksonville. Not a, not a standout, not a star by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but a serviceable guy. Um, Taven Bryan obviously did not fit that mix and um what's funny is you bring up Taven Bryant and these two guys are completely different players but Brian Brzee from Clemson has a similar enough resume Taven was considered an impeccable athlete mm -hmm. Brzee is an impeccable athlete Taven did not have <laughs> quite the uh production in college that you would think of when you think of a first round pick Brzee hasn't either but Jaguars fans, a lot of them have been clamoring for Brzee, but he is a favorite. And I understand why, because if all the pieces come together, Duke could be good. But he just hasn't done it in college yet, so it does still leave you kind of wondering. And given if you don't know the backstory of some of the things that have happened off the field to mm -hmm. Brzee, Google his name, they'll pop up. There are reasons why he might not have been focused on football. 100% acceptable reasons and understandable reasons, but neither here nor there, over the course of his college career, he didn't produce as well. Uh, just kind of my head put those two together, yeah. and I'm like, eh, uh, I don't know, because he's not, he's not the, my favorite guy 
to pick at that 24 slot um, as I kind of look at the draft. This week's the combine, so right. some of those things will change. Um, earlier in the week, I kind of threw out a couple of guys, and we can do that here too, uh, that I thought the Jaguars would be keeping an eye on. Keely Ringo uh, from Georgia. Right. He's right up Trent Baalke's alley. Big corner. I mean, you, you watch Georgia this mm-hmm. year. That dude looks big on the yes. field. Looks like a linebacker. He's probably going to run really fast. He's the kind of guy that Trent Baalke loves. Um, you know, uh, Michael Mayer is going to be another guy. I know Jaguars fans love the tight end, and Doug Peterson loves mm-hmm. two tight ends. Michael Mayer was our selection. That was his guy. Our yeah. selection, and I've seen actually an ESPN mock this week had him going in the top 15. Yeah, so he, he could be he off the board for 24. the Jaguars. He could be off the board very well for the Jaguars. Um, who else did I talk about? I said uh, Andre Carter II. Uh, he could be a guy who should run well. He would make sense as an edge player. I think he's a projection, again, when you start talking about, eh, contribute a little bit mm-hmm. as a rookie, but that next year, because right. he's like 6'7", and he just looks like he could put on another 20 pounds and and be an impeccable player. Right. Um, and he should work out really well in the combine. Um, who else did I have? I can't remember who your other guy I don't you remember. Cool I, guys had one, I had one more guy. Uh, you had um, cool guys but, in there. But I, I love the combine. The I've always Alabama, been a draft the Alabama Ah, uh, Brian Branch. Brian Branch. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he, he's not supposed to be like a crazy athlete, he's but he's a very good athlete. And when you start talking, like the guys he's going to be surrounded by and in the conversation with, maybe in Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, who I like a lot, I think is going to be a good player. He's going to test really well. Branch might have like pedestrian looking numbers compared to some of the other people. Like Keely Ringo, Branch isn't yeah, going to keep up with him. Right. So when you, you, you start adding in those numbers, how much is that going to impact his stock? Could we see a guy like Keely Ringo raising up those draft boards, Antonio Johnson raising up those draft boards, which in turn maybe that lowers down Brian Branch a little bit. Maybe a Devon Witherspoon who might not test that well lowers his stock just a little bit too. And all of a sudden now one of those guys who early on in the process we were talking about how great of a football player they are and how they might not be on the board for the Jaguars at 24 just because they're not going to – those those aren't guys that are expected to run like a 4-3. Right. Um, all of a sudden, next thing you know, oh, here it is. Uh, so those are guys that are like, okay, let's keep an eye on this because if they just run, you know, pedestrian-looking numbers compared to some of these other guys that are going to be, you know, 220 pounds, run a 4-4. Right. You know, athletic freaks, which is a good term. That's a compliment. But, you know, uh, so it, it'll be interesting what they do at 24. Um, you know, just because they franchise tag Evan Ingram, I don't think tight ends out of the question no, for the first round or the second round. Because, you know, Evan is one type of tight end, and they could add a, a, a yeah, very different. Right. Michael Mayer would be a very different tight end. Washington out of Georgia, very different kind right. of tight end. You've got one tight end on the roster. And, and you've only you've got, got one. one I mean, end. they don't have guys under contract. So, I mean, I think we'll learn a lot by what they do with Chris Manhurts uh, if they are, do bring the veteran guy back because he is that other run-blocking yeah, kind of tight end. But could you upgrade his spot right. by bringing in a guy who can run-block and give you a little bit more in the passing game? And in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson ran a whole lot of two right. tight end sets. But but there's always a but. He didn't have quite the wide receiver room in Philadelphia that he has here in Jacksonville because now he's got Christian Kirk, who's paid starter money. Zay Jones, paid yeah. starter money. Uh, and you've got Calvin Ridley, who's paid starter money. So you've got three guys that he wants to be on the field. Right. Plus, they'll probably add something there. Jamal Agnew has also showed that Doug Peterson knows how to design plays for him and get yes. him on the field. So not exactly the same wide receiver room that he was working with in Philadelphia, who was a bunch of guys, I mean, an older Alshon Jeffrey and other guys that, you know, 
or hot and cold mm -hmm. in the NFL. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different thing, but he still does have an affinity for tight yep, ends. That's cool. And I think to make a Doug Peterson offense hum and run fluidly like sure. it needs to, you need those guys. Dan Arnold was not it. Um, Chris Manhurts was not it. Um, Luke Farrell was not it. I mean, you had Evan Ingram and Evan Ingram. That was it last year. So you <laughs> yeah. need an additional tight end. I brought this up last time when we were talking about the mock drafts. Tight end, offensive tackle, defensive back, those three positions have been mocked to the Jaguars more than any other. And I'm talking heavily mocked to the Jaguars more than any other. So tight end, and we've got some good ones. Luke Musgraves, a guy you mentioned as well yeah. this past week. Yeah. Um, and again, he's more of that receiving threat, like an Evan Ingram, mm -hmm. um, an athlete kind of guy. So that's interesting. I think tight end is is you got to go tight end in the first round, second round, something high. Because regardless of bringing Evan Ingram back, you still have a dearth. Yeah, There's no, nobody else on that roster right yeah. now who could get in there and uh, and give Doug what he wants at that position. Right. You, you've just got to bring guys in unless they go and find, figure that out during free agency, which if I was looking at the free agent market right now and I'm Doug, I'm like, Irv Smith is very appealing because he's a former highly mm -hmm. drafted guy. He was productive at Alabama. I mean, it – I'm from New Orleans, and he's from New Orleans. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, you know, um, so I know what he did in high school. He, he was a very good player for Brother Martin there in New Orleans. But Irv is a high-character guy who would fit in the locker room, and he's a guy who's had injuries, and that's one of the reasons why he maybe hasn't been as productive as he could have been while he was in Minnesota. He would fit almost the exact same bill of what they brought Evan right. Ingram in on. <laughs> so, like, if you brought in Irv Smith to come and be your tight end, too, that would not be a bad move because if you go back and look at Irv's numbers from the Combine, dude's got some wheels, too. So it, It's always interesting. Combine is such a good time to kind of you look at the guys beforehand, the senior bowl stuff and uh, tape from the season, and you get to the Combine, and it's yeah. completely different. I mean, these guys <laughs> train for the Combine, yeah. um, train to run there, train to, to throw, to catch and everything. Interesting to see how, you know, Trevor even talking in his, you know, second year before we saw him at a, at a Gatorade event before the season started and said so much different going into my second season in the league. He said mm -hmm. before, you know, my first, my rookie year, I'm training to run, I'm training to, uh, to throw. He, come, he was coming off surgery uh, right. to his, his left shoulder. So, I mean, it's so different for these guys. These, these draft prospects are training to be able to run, to be able to catch, to throw everything, and then you're, you get into a camp or everything. It's so different after your first season in the league because, again, you're, you're trying to present yourself to your uh, future wife um, and look the best as you can, and then afterwards, you know, year two, you can kind of be the guy on the couch and not dress as well and play yeah. video games all day. So yeah. <laughs> it's different in year one to year two. So many good combine stories come out this time of year. Yeah, and, and you know, it's always fun looking at some of the stuff that's going on and some of the different guys. Um, you know, I wish we could have got up there to Indy maybe next year. But, you know, uh, the combine is definitely a fun time to see, and it, it shifts a lot around the draft as to what's going on and what the jack what might be on the, the mm -hmm. table. And I think there's a lot of information that comes out during these weeks from guys that interview well to guys that don't interview as well. Um, so it, it, there'll be some moving pieces. I, I think the Jaguars will be buyers on a tight end at some point in the draft. I, I almost guarantee that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they approach some of the other stuff. I, if I was a betting, if sports betting was legal in Florida, <laughs> if maybe one day, uh, I would put my money on the Jaguars using that first round pick on a defensive guy. Right now, I would. I Another would put, defensive guy. I would put my round. money on that on that okay. defensive guy in the first round. That's just 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 where I'm feeling. And I mean, if you look at Trent Baalke's track record, it says he's going to go a defensive guy. That's just what he's typically spent pick, his high picks on. 
Um, I think over 57% or something like that have been defensive guys. The majority of those defensive guys have been edge players. So if you say, okay, well, where does he lean? Yeah. Edge guys might make sense. Um, and, you know, it just depends on who's going to be on the board right. there at 24. I, I, that's going to be a big part of it, too. Because we could make a solid ar- <clears throat> argument for Osiris Torrance, the guard out of, out of Florida. Mm-hmm. I, I can make a really good argument for him to upgrade that offensive line. Right. It's Trevor Lawrence. No arguments yeah, over. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, that would make sense. We can make an argument for a tight end there. I mean, but I think defense is where you're going to go because the defense, while they did come up with a bunch of turnovers, struggled. Right. They struggled at of course. times. Of course. You've got to get pressure. you got, I mean, to me, I like if Dewan Smoot can come back, I would like that. Yes. That depth issue. But when but, is he going to be ready from, yeah, the, uh, from the Achilles? True. Earliest <clears> point, <throat> based on when he tore it, I mean, if you go, if you take James Robinson's timeline, we don't see him until like week one ish. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd miss all the training camp and probably all the preseason. So it'd probably be like regular season almost. He'd probably yeah. start the year on the pup list. Close he, to uh, that. But he, he, again, he's a guy that I did not think Jacksonville had any shot of bringing back this year, just mm-hmm. with his again his career arc and yeah. he's still young and producing a great season. And the injury happened, so I do think there's a chance Jacksonville can bring him back for that depth portion. Again, I'm with you. They need to do something on defense, whatever that is. They have got to find a way to get the quarterback more. Um, so disappointing to to have that much invested in that defensive front. And again, we'll get to the Roy Robertson Harris resigning uh, in a minute. But it's just so much invest in that defensive front. I mean, you've got a top ten pick mm-hmm. in Josh Allen uh, going into his fifth year. You've got a number one overall pick in Trayvon Walker. Um, you've got Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, Follow, follow Runso, I mean, on the, the line. Fadakasi. And, I mean, you've got so much invested in that line, you cannot generate more pressure than yeah. you did last year. And that was after taking, uh, you know, two guys in the first round, two right. linebackers in the first round to uh, to get that pressure on. It just did not work. So, I'm with you. I think they have to invest in um, finding a way to get that defensive pressure on the quarterback. If they keep doing what they did late in the season, which they did four down in their nickel sets, which they're in most of the time, Trayvon Walker was a down in. They even slid him inside mm-hmm. a few times. If the goal is to slide Trayvon inside on passing downs, B.J. Ojolari is my guy. High character from LSU, speed rusher around the outside. He'll be probably be on the board at 24. He checks the boxes. Just, just throwing it out there right now. This is, this is where we go. All right, you mentioned Roy Robertson Harris. Yep. The Jaguars and Trent Baalke have been very been, busy. Been cooking, uh, on the, yeah. cooking the books here. Yeah, he's, he's been getting to work. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris was one of the first right. guys. They gave him an extension. Um, I know he had been a topic of conversation among Jags fans. A lot of people <clears> saying maybe he'd get cut or what they do to, to kind of alleviate that salary cap yep. for him. They handed Roy Robertson Harris an extension. Yep. He was big down the stretch and definitely very impactful. So it's good that he's going to stay in Jacksonville for right. a few more years. Um, along with that, they also reworked a few deals. Um, Foye Aluakun, mm-hmm. according to reports. Um, Christian Brandon Kirk. Sheriff, Christian Kirk. Zay Jones. Zay Jones. Uh, and and Jermichael Hasty. And Jermichael, and Jermichael Hasty is an extension. Right. So they re-signed him because he was going to be a restricted right. free agent. The other guys, they restructured their contracts. Now, if you don't know what that means, basically they took some of the money that would have been on the books, turned it into a signing bonus, and they give that to them up front. So that way they still get their money. It's just not on the salary cap book. So right. that lowers their cap number, and they get their money now. Now, the one thing that I want to point out about that is that that's Shad Khan. 
because you have to have an owner that's willing to write a check in order to do that. So I know a lot of people can be critical of Shad's involvement with the team or the wins that they've had underneath Shad Khan. Mm -hmm. Trent Baalke's not able to restructure these deals and create salary cap room if Shad Khan doesn't tell him, here's the checkbook, go write the checks and get the job done. Um, which there are some owners around the NFL that are not willing to cut those sorts of deals. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's why it is important that they have a, an owner right. like Shad Khan who t- basically told Trent, hey, look, go do what you got to do. Yep. Uh, you know, the checkbook's right here. Just just do what you got to do. Of course. So, so he's able to do that. So they're just moving the money around. It's not a question of how much these guys are getting paid. It's just when. When they're getting paid. Uh, yeah. That's the, you know, Trent Baalke said at his uh, last availability before um, the combine, he said, you know, that the salary cap can be manipulated in a lot of ways. And, you know, the, the more important than the cap and restructuring is available cash. Available cash that you can put your money on. Right. And hand to a player. And... Not, not the cap. Cap can be maneuvered, navigated. Christian Kirk, he's still getting all of his money. Jacksonville mm-hmm. saved $26 million on the cap with its restructures and its deals. It's not like those guys are taking a discount. No, 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 no. They're no, just no. paying Christian Kirk if he was going to get paid the first week of April. He gets paid the last week of March, something like that, yeah. to where it's, it's just accounting creativity. But, you know, Jacksonville, these moves have been significant because, you know, starting the offseason, they were $30 million plus over the salary cap of 2023. So yep. by, the, by the start of that new league year on March 15th, Jacksonville has to be under that cap, which they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think some more maneuvers are going to come. I well, they, they were I, under that Evan deal, or the franchise tag is going to move them pretty cl- close. close They'll the still be under, though. The, the one thing that's floating out there, Shaquille Griffin. Right. He's not playing on that contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, whether you want to say, oh, they're going to work out something with him and keep him in Jacksonville or cut him, those are two different conversations. But he will not play on the cap right. number that he is currently owed. And There's no way. He is he is at a $17.147 million deal right now. He's on that the cap. second he's not, biggest he's cap hit on the Jaguars roster currently. He is not playing on that number. Whether it's a restructure to keep him in here in Jacksonville, whether he's cut, that number has to change. Mm-hmm. And the, I think they're kind of holding on to that one, and they may have already figured out what they're going to do with Shaq because Calvin Ridley's numbers aren't on the books right. yet. So you can almost consider that like a, a pin. <laughs> it's just, just, let's just put a pin in that because they know whatever they're going to do with Shaq is probably going to coincide with, all right, it's time to put Calvin Ridley's contract mm-hmm. under the salary cap. Okay, Shaq, either sign this restructure or you're gone, and then Calvin Ridley comes in. So there, there's something that that one's definitely going to change. That's got to. There's no choice. Got to. There's no, I mean, and that was, you know, even right before Shaq was put on IR last year, you knew, you know, looking at his number and right. where things were headed, he was not going to be back on a $17.1 million right. cap hit. And you've seen... The numbers going down on, on the cap. I mean, uh, Fadakasi, Darius Williams, those guys are at uh, 12 and a half or 12.7, 12.5 million. Maybe a, a restructure here or there for those guys. Christian Kirk's already been navigated mm-hmm. down there. He's an 11.4 cap hit right now. So a lot of these restructures and stuff, people are confused by that. You know, Trent said it's not, restructuring is not no. a big issue because no. these guys are still getting paid. Yes. It's just in the form of, just of where they're getting paid. So It's creative um, financing, and nobody ever explains it normally. Yeah. Normally they just say, oh, this deal's been restructured, and people are like, what does that mean? Oh. 
Um, yeah, so it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not like that people are thinking that, you know, and I think it's been mentioned before that these guys are taking discounts or, you know, giving money back or something like and that. And some that guys do end up taking discounts. Right. Like some of the stuff, some of the creative finance that goes on with like adding void years and stuff like that, sometimes that can be creating a discount. But in this case, it's not. No. Like, like there are times where those void years inflate the contract numbers, but that's a whole different thing that, that the Jaguars haven't done. Um, the one last thing we got to talk about before we wrap this up is that report card from the NFLPA. Oof. We can't not talk about that. Bad. So the NFLPA, for the first time, put out a report card before free agency. They said players have basically been asking them to put out a free agency guide that kind of tells you, hey, if you go and sign with the Green Bay Packers or the Jacksonville Jaguars, what will life kind of be like there? Because you don't, I mean, you don't know. It's like going to a new company. You don't really know what right. day-to-day life is, what the infrastructure is like until you get there. A very good so, handbook is what this basically was yeah. for guys to to look at their prospective new future homes and say, hey, okay, right. this is uh, the food here is good. The workout rooms are bad. So it's more of a guidebook, a style book for these players and their agents to look at. Jaguars finished 28th out of 32, so not good. <laughs> um, the, the strength coaches did get an A, so mm-hmm. hand claps to the Jaguars strength coaches there. But uh, the two big things that players complained about, the NFLPA said the unanimous answer from players was get rid of the rats in the locker room. Apparently there was a, a rat problem in the locker room for a few weeks and it was all in the laundry baskets and stuff. Now, I, I did say that the rat problem at TIA Bankfield is documented. I mm-hmm. mean, there were the health re- inspector reports right. from last season that came out um, and they were in the building and it was mentioned in that health inspection. So that is what it is. Uh, the other one that was big was the uh, the treatment of families because they said they got reports from players that because there's no family room that players' wives were breastfeeding, sitting on the floor of public bathrooms and things mm-hmm. of that nature because mm-hmm. they don't have a family room right now. So the, while it looks bad on the surface, <laughs> it, have, and it does, the they're not on the honor roll. The headlines are terrible. The one part mm-hmm. that people haven't been talking about enough is the little caveat that you can kind of cling to for hope. Well, there's two. One, they're building a practice facility, so they will be out of the bank and in a mm-hmm. new building. And if they, they're building a state-of-the-art new building and it has rats, then I don't mm. know who they hired to build it and what <laughs> went wrong. Um, but number two is that they, get, they said that the players on the team, over 90% of the ones that they surveyed said they had confidence in Shad Khan right. to fix the problems, which means that they believe that some of the stuff was just an incident that Shad maybe didn't know about or an oversight, and they believe that Shad was going to take care of yeah. said situation. There's been good progress made, and I think yeah. that was a footnote in that. Any, God, anytime you hear rats and hampers and yeah. running free and no place for breastfeeding mothers to, uh, to, to have time with their baby except on a bathroom floor, I mean, those are egregious faults for right. a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar company in the Jaguars. Um, but again, these are issues that are being addressed um, Again, a new Miller Electric facility coming along, a new stadium or renovated stadium will be coming along in the future at some point. So these are things that are being taken to address, but not... um not good headlines at all. No, the headlines look terrible. But And you know what? We'll talk about maybe some stadium issues uh, a little bit further on into the offseason because I know there mm-hmm. was a survey that came out this week about, you know, people's mm-hmm. willingness to, to help with the stadium or, or not help with the stadium. So I think that's definitely a conversation that has to be had because the Jaguars are uh, looking to do something with TIA Bankfield in the near future. So what that looks like, yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Right now we're focused on draft and free agency and, and a lot of moving parts, but it should be an exciting offseason, even though the Jaguars aren't going to be big players in free agency. 
um, that should keep everybody kind of like clinging to hope of, oh, who could they land? <laughs> you know, uh, you, you're not going to get that big splash yeah. first day guy. I mean, unless they, they're re-signing one of their own guys. Like maybe you see them say, oh, we got our deal with Evan or we got Arden Key coming back kind of deal. But probably not very many right. other players early on. No, I think these are going to be spot filler kind of guys, spot yeah. fillers. Yeah, and then you'll probably get more reports of deals being restructured to create some more space yep. uh, along those lines. But I think that'll probably about do yep. it for us on this News for Jacks podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can always check us out over on newsforjacks.com and in the News for Jacks Plus app, and we'll see you next time.